Introducing the Poet Life Podcast. Go check it out today on your favorite platforms, including iTunes, Apple Music, and the website, thepoetlife.com. Find a way. Find a way. Christoph writes of the Poet Life Podcast. I'm so excited tonight to be speaking with Miss Veronica Wild. Miss Wild, how are you? I'm so good. Thanks for having me. Uh, thank you for reaching out and, and, and coming on to the podcast. I'm so excited to understand uh, what makes you tick and what makes you go in this poetry industry. Uh, let me ask you, so so where where are you located right now? Right now I'm in Toronto. You're in Toronto, Canada. Yeah. Okay. Okay, so we say Toronto. <laughs> you know when somebody's from Toronto when they say Toronto, like there's no T. So no, no second T. <laughs> yeah, just Toronto. <laughs> Toronto. Okay, yeah. You know, I think I've have I been to Toronto? Toronto. Uh no, the <laughs> the only place in Canada that I've been um was to the uh, um what's the border? Um, Vancouver, not, Windsor. Well, it's it's with the waterfall. Oh, Niagara Falls. Niagara Falls. <laughs> yeah. Everybody watching and listening, do you understand that it's ten thirty at night right now? <laughs> so, it, <laughs> so please don't mind my uh, uh, absent-mindedness. Yes, Niagara Falls. Um, uh, my wife and I. Uh, before we had kids, uh, chose to uh, do New Year's Eve every year uh, somewhere different. So oh. we did the ball drop in New York. Um, never will do that again. Uh, <laughs> I'm glad we were able to say we did it. I say that because <laughs> you have to find your spot, like wherever, wherever you want to be, and you know when it happens at like mm. six during the day and you have to stay there so no one (laughs) you don't lose it or Uh, so for six hours (laughs) you're standing in one place it's torture it but i i can say i did it you know but i'll i won't do that again but Wow. And so the year after, uh, we did Niagara Falls, and it was absolutely cold and freezing <laughs> out there. The ground was ice. Yeah, it's cold. Like it's cold. You know, but um, I, I do plan to take a take a trip out there to Toronto. <laughs> so, 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 where are you from? Are you from Toronto or? What's, no, I was what, born in Ukraine. Okay, all right. Yeah. Okay, all right. So, so Ukraine. Uh, how long did you stay in Ukraine? I came when I was eight, and okay. um, I've never gone back. And now with COVID, you know, all I want to do is go back. And really, yeah, I, it's. I think it's actually pretty common. Like anybody I know, I tend to have a tendency to attract friends with from war-torn countries. Like we just kind of <laughs> gravitate toward each other. <laughs> now that my country's at war, like I meet people from, you know, like Venezuela and like Afghanistan and we just 
I don't know. I just buy people from right. You know, and we all just want to go back. You know, even though it's unreasonable, there's just like this feeling. I think with COVID, like being an immigrant, like you just want to go. You just want to go back. Like I want to go it's back so to cool. parts of Russia where I've got relatives. Like up in the mountains, there's like these indigenous people in Russia that, like my grandmother and my grandfather, who just passed away. You know, oh, these places that. I've never been these places that I've never been and I've never felt at home anywhere, you know? So I'm like, yeah. if maybe if I go there, I'll feel something, but with COVID mm. you can't, you know? So right. I almost feel like I want to go back to these places because I can't like, that's something that's kind of backwards been good about this epidemic. Like it helps you figure out, what it is that you want back you know like right. so much taken away and you're like what do i want back so long yeah. answer to your question <laughs> i'm from ukraine yeah wow do you have family still there in ukraine yeah i have um my godmother who i found out recently is a visual artist like a professional wow. visual artist yeah i didn't know and it's like i gotta go and yeah, yeah i've got a lot of family up in the mountains like the tatar people like i've there are things that I can't even say, but apparently we have some family heirlooms that are pretty exciting um, that, you know, if the Russians got a hold of them, they'd end up in a museum or something. So yeah. uh, I kind of want to go and, you know, just see, like, just see sure. what, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Do you do you have family that's able to kind of share with you stories of back home? Yeah, I've got one grandmother and one grandfather left. So my one grandfather just died. My other grandmother died a long time ago. Um, but the one grandmother I still have alive, like she's still in contact with people in Tatarstan. So she speaks Russian to them and they speak mostly Tatar and like broken Russian. But, you know, she's got like a brother over there. And it's funny because like, well, it's not funny, actually. It's kind of heartbreaking. But all her siblings, like the way that they pass is like, if they break their hip, like over there in Russia, like they won't fix it for you if you're old. Like they won't, they've got like universal healthcare the same way as like Canada does, but it's got an age limit. So if you're like of a certain Whoa. age, they're just like, never mind. So she's had some relatives go from that, but some of them are still like really old and just like living in the mountains and. You know, I so want to go that, see these people. I do. I want to go meet these people. I really do. So is that one of the cons to universal health care? Like when you get older or get old, it's like you're not worth it. In Canada, it's not like that. In Canada, okay. I mean, it's everything except for dental work and like plastic surgery and I mean, there's medica actually medications. That's one of the issues, right? Like they don't pay for your meds. And so your medications could be so expensive. Like the government will cover some stuff, but they're not going to cover like an experimental procedure med. That's And those can be, those pills can be really expensive. But the doctor's visits, I mean, you're, you're in America, right? Right. Yeah, like you guys definitely have it way worse. Like we have a lot of stuff covered, a lot. <laughs> like I feel bad for people from US actually. Yeah, like, it's, yeah, it's a little fair. tough over here. Uh, it gets a little pricey. Um, yeah, totally. Mm -hmm. I, wow, I, it's so it's so uh, refreshing to hear stories um, 
from our guests that are not in the United States. Um, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm sorry about this year, but it turned out everything. Well, so how's it in Canada as it relates to COVID? Um, I mean, COVID's been, there's been a lot of stuff that's been happening in US has, you know, reverberated onto Canada. So, you know, when, when everything went down in May, you know, like you guys were having protests and here there were, there were some serious things going on too. You know, people were just acknowledging the intersection between race and mental health and mm-hmm. how the police are not effective at that. You know, like they spent a million dollars of the city's money to surround High Park. That's like our central park. Like it's a park, okay. a huge park in the city. They put a fence around it and then put a bunch of police like everywhere patrolling it. And like, it was just so unnecessary and so traumatizing to a lot of the people who were living in these apartment buildings. And then there was a, there was a suicide, you know, like with a girl who was cornered on a balcony um, and she had mental health issues, you know? So all this stuff, like, I think because America was like speaking truth about what's going, like, this is not new, right? But America was like, this is what's going on. Like in Canada, there's definitely been like protests going on there's been a lot of talk about like indigenous rights and you know i'm sure you guys have heard about the missing and murdered indigenous women in canada like all this stuff it all came out in canada too and with covid you know people would go out for the protests like wearing their masks and Mm -hmm. some people had to quarantine after but these were like important issues i mean it's um i think we're really connected like canada and us and that's why Unfortunately, right now, there's a petition on change.org that 300,000 Canadians have signed to keep the border closed, even though it's supposed to open like every 21st, they keep extending it. They're like, we don't want what's going on down there. So there's like this schism (laughs) happening, you know. They don't want any of it. They don't want they don't want our COVID, our looting, our our, they they don't want any of it. Wow. Wow. Um, so eight years old, you left mm-hmm. Ukraine and then mm-hmm. Canada or what was next? So we actually, we immigrated to Toronto. It's funny you're asking that question. So like we came to Toronto and we lived in a bunch of neighborhoods and then <laughs> we went to London, Ontario and I went to high school there and I couldn't like after being in Toronto, going to London being the person I am, like, I just, I couldn't take it. Like that small town, there were a bunch of us, like, we just had to get out. So we just came right back. I spent four years in London, Ontario. And I was like, I need to go back to Toronto. And I moved here into a building that I can see from my window right now, like total coincidence. But this point in my life, after I've just released, I just released a poetry collection that got really real about a lot of things. And I feel like I've purged so much and taken the next step in my life. But now I'm back in a place that means something to me. I can just open the curtain and, and, and see this place. You know, it's, it's, I love this city so much. Like I, even though it's freezing, we have freezing rain like two days ago. It's just like ice coming out of the sky, you know, but <laughs> I love this place. I do, wow. I've traveled so much. And sure. I I don't know why, but I just this place is so special. That's it's great. so special. That's great. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So four years after Ukraine, you were you were twelve, and 
I'm, I'm trying to get to where, where the poetry started. At what age and what location? I think the first time that I remember making up a rhyme was in Ukraine. I was really? in, we lived in a thing called Upshajitia. And that kind of translates to dormitory, but it's not just for students. Like you basically just get like one room and like 12 families get one room and then there's a giant kitchen and there's a giant bathroom. Like you share it. And then there's one shower for like four floors, right? And some, like we had some kitchen stuff in our place, but there's no other bathroom options. There's just like these common bathrooms. And I remember being a kid I must have been like four or five, but I just remember going to that bathroom and like out loud, just like half singing, half rhyming. Those are some of my earliest. And I was so happy, you know, mm -hmm. and I loved it when I went in there and it was empty because you could hear it echo off the stall and then you could hear it echo off the off the bathroom wall. And it was, you know, I actually just recently remembered these like my happiest childhood moments. It's like being alone. Right. In a public bathroom that has like the door open. Anybody can walk in at any time, but I'm alone, just like rhyming to myself. <laughs> and wow. It's like making noises. Um, and then when we came to Canada, like things got really rough, really fast. Like my parents yeah. got, they just, they changed. Or I don't know, maybe they didn't change. But my parents were really young. Like they married really young and they were mm -hmm. in medical school. So like I never spent that much time with them. I just, I was raised by my grandparents, you know? And all of a sudden my parents were like in this new country. My mom's got like five jobs. My dad's trying to study for his exams. And I'm like, I'm overweight. My face turns red really easily. And I don't speak English. And all the kids are like, ah, you know? Like, <laughs> like it was rough. Like, and there's nobody to talk to because I didn't have siblings or anything, you know? Like, so my parents were having a hard time. And so writing became like literally the only the only friend that I had because I that was the only place where I, ha I could express myself. But it's interesting how I never really wrote in Russian. You know, like I never really took down the, the rhymes or the sounds or the thoughts. And it was only as I was learning English mm. and I had already learned some English before I came, but you know, like I picked up English pretty quickly, but over those years, like I just started writing my thoughts and my feelings in English, even though it's not my first language, like English is the only language that I know how to like say exactly what I mean in. Like if I want to say exactly what I mean, like in Russian, that'd be, it'd be hard at this point. <laughs> wow. Especially how I feel like I, yeah, I don't have the vocabulary. I don't. How many languages do you know? Um, I speak Spanish, but like I used to live in, so I've been a nomad for a while and I've lived in a lot of Spanish speaking countries. So like if I'm living in a Spanish speaking country, then I speak Spanish. But right now, like I got a roommate from Mexico, but she wants to practice her English. So we're speaking Spanish sometimes. I don't think I've lost it. I understand what she's saying, um, but I'm not like fluent. In okay. It, okay. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I could be. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe if you were back in that atmosphere, it would kind of come yeah. back. Yeah. Or if wow. I practice more, you know, like I could sure. just practice more or read. It's really good to read uh, the languages. Yeah. For sure. yeah. My, mm -hmm. my five-year-old um, 
She started kindergarten this year and she's in uh, a French immersion school. Oh, cool. Yeah. And so she's learning, like she's a sponge, like soaking it up. And, you know, we share an office. Uh, all of her stuff is out right now because I don't, you know, it's, I'm not going to have a five-year-old's desk while I'm doing a podcast, but uh, <laughs> I'm able to listen the entire time and I'm learning some of it, you know? Um, so it's very interesting in that regard. So, um, so, so at what age was this when that rhyme started to come to you? Was that 13, 14? No, you said Ukraine. So that was like seven or eight? Maybe even like four or five. Like I wow. I was a weird I was a weird kid. Like I was definitely dancing around and just but in you know, back home, like we had to learn poetry. Right. Gotcha. And we were we were expected to perform in every single respect. Like even from grade one, like you're sitting at a desk and you're sitting like this. And if you have a question, you go like this and you know, like it's, it's like in first grade, I learned algebra. Like I remember I got, what? like I got to Canada and we were doing like division with remainders and we had already like done all the things. Like I couldn't understand the remainder because it was part of the teaching process, but I didn't see algebra until like five, six years later, you know? So I think they pump you full of stuff, which makes a lot of the kids like I was watching this home video the other day. We're all dressed in these like black skirts, um, long sleeves, silk white blouses with these bows around our necks. And there's mm -hmm. a giant bow in my hair too. And we're all going up and giving flowers to our teachers and reciting poetry. Like we are like five, you know? <laughs> and we're expected to like memorize the poems and say the things. And there's a lot I could say about my culture that's really really negative but i think that's one thing that i have to give credit to because i think it did influence me it must have and my grandfather actually my grandfather my grandfather who just died um mm -hmm. he he used to oh i actually have a poem about it <laughs> that ended up being about marriage but yeah he um he used to tell me a lot of stories and sing songs and so he's not high and so some of the stuff that he had learned, like these are folk songs and these are like folk stories. These are things that he learned up in the mountains. And these are things that are coming from like my ancestors that I'm like, oh, I wish I'd listened better, you know? Right. And yeah, I wish I I'd, fun. yeah, but he influenced me. Like he was the musician in the family. He was like the family weirdo, you know, and I'm the family weirdo now and I think yeah. he influenced me a lot. He he really did. Wow. So so when did you decide to start to hone in on that skill or that mm. gift that you had? Um so actually I didn't start in poetry. Like I thought like I remember deciding whether I was going to go to school for journalism or behavioral science analysis. Like those were my options. <laughs> and um, I remember a friend said to me, he was like, well, you can already write. So why don't you go get some life experience? 
Um, I really wish I hadn't listened to him because that program's still paying off the loan for that uh, entire college education that I have like no use for. But <laughs> I was writing all throughout that. Like I had been journaling and I'd been doing all this stuff, but I was in a completely different field. And then when I got out of that field, I was like, okay, well, I kind of want to write. And so I started writing. Um, my ex-partner was like really supportive in, because I remember I was going to go for my master's in psychology. And he was like, I really don't see you sitting on a highway in traffic going to a job for 9 a.m. Like you've never gotten up at 9 p.m. in your entire, uh, 9 a.m., sorry, like 9 a.m. my entire life. Like I sleep till noon still, you know? Um, and it was true. And so I said, well, what am I going to do? I could write a book. And so I started writing. I started trying to write and started trying to figure it out. Like some of the first gigs that I got, like I went on Craigslist. And okay, this guy, this guy was getting people to write reviews of his books and post them publicly as a free writing gig. Like this is an opportunity for you as a writer. <laughs> I thought about this the other day. I'm like, that guy. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. So that was my first writing gig. It wasn't really anything, but I just wanted to like do something, you know, I didn't know what I was going to do. So I just reached for it and eventually figured out that it wasn't the right thing. Like I wrote, I wrote 10 articles about alopecia for like 50 bucks. Like I know everything about alopecia. I know things you wouldn't even imagine about alopecia because I he paid me fifty dollars Canadian for like hours of my time. And I remember I wrote an article that was like um, about the beauty of baldness, about the beauty of being a woman specifically and owning your your baldness if you have alopecia. And he sent me back an email that said, "This is really depressing. I think that you should write me something else." <laughs> Okay. And I actually, I shaved my head um, in March 8th, like of this year. So I was like thinking about that guy and that gig. And so that was like my second writing gig. Um, not very uplifting. Do you know what I mean? Like these were like crappy, crappy things. But I just kind of kept, I kept writing. Like I wrote fiction, I wrote poetry. Like I was just trying to figure it out. And then, um, and then I almost killed myself because my mental health had deteriorated to a point where um, I couldn't keep up like the facade that I was trying to keep up. And when I, when that happened, I, you know, it's funny to tell this story because like I changed so much at that time and I threw out everything that I was. So I used to go by Veronica Wilde actually. And then when all of this happened, when I like almost killed myself and like decided, well, it, a lot of drugs were involved. Like I was like, I was doing a lot of drugs. I wasn't sleeping. I wasn't eating. I had an eating disorder and I had adrenal exhaustion. And I was like, my mental health was off. I was hearing voices. Like it was all these things on top of one another. And me being the extremist I am was like, well, this happened because I was, a, you know, I need to change. So I got rid of all the things, like all of the things. So I got rid of all my, I was a goth at the time. So I got rid of all my goth clothes. I threw out like all my sex toys I threw out all my jewelry I took the like I took the black out of my hair because I was dyeing my hair black like I took out all my piercings like I stopped wearing makeup for like seven eight years and I wrote a eulogy to Veronica Wilde there's actually still a eulogy on my blog to Veronica Wilde 
And that was my first book, The Love Mindset, was like a spiritual self-help book. And it was like all these things that I had done to heal that helped, like mm. they did help. They really did help. And it developed this kind of like cult following. And there's like, there's a woman in Montreal who's, it's like her favorite book. And she always tells me about it. And like, she keeps it on her nightstand. Like it's, I have to speak well about this book because this woman told me that when I don't speak well about my first book, it hurts people like her. But if I didn't promise her that I would speak well about this book, I could say some things about the person I was when I was writing it, you know, like I was really idealistic. Um, and, and then I spent a bunch of time in the self-help industry and I was doing like life coaching because I mean, that's what you have to do, right? Like you can't just right. sell a book for 10 bucks. Like you have to right. have a, you have to have some kind of plan for the people that want to give you more money, right? Like there are some people, yeah. they have like way more resources than $10 and they love you and they just want to be able to give something to you because they want a piece of your time and the question is how are you going to give them a piece of your time are you going to perform are you going to coach them are you going to do workshops like i just went through um you know while i was building that kind of like business you know i really learned to be more intuitive about what it was that i felt like i had to offer you know, like, do I want to do a group thing right now? Do I want to do a one-on-one -on -one thing right now? Like, what's going to bring me joy? What's going to bring them joy? And how much do I have to charge for it so that I don't resent myself or these people after, right? Right, right. <laughs> At its most basic, like, how do I keep this up, like, in the long term? And so I was doing coaching for a long time. And then I wrote my second book, The Art of Talking to Yourself. And I said it was going to be my last self-help book. And it has that book like it's really thick it took me four years to write and i really wanted to say everything that i had learned about personal growth everything and i also wanted to like expose the marketing tactics that keep people addicted to self-help programs and i was like i'm gonna say this and then i'm out of this industry because the self-help industry makes money off people's insecurities Right. Like if you actually help somebody with their self-love issue, like you lose a customer. So you just like keep these people going forever. Like it's, it's, it's evil. Like I, I don't like it. And so I said, okay, I'm going to do poetry. And um, that's mm. what I'm going to go into. So it's, it was cool. Cause even at the time I had like 15,000 followers on Facebook and I was like, um, I can do this, you know, like I got these followers and, you know, very soon after I started focusing on my poetry and sharing my poetry and then going out to some of the events in Toronto at the time, like Toronto Poetry Slam and like Dead Poet and uh, like Rise. I don't know if you've heard about Rise. Rise is an amazing, amazing um, group in Toronto. Like they have lives on Instagram still all the time and really? it's some of the most amazing talent in the city. And I start going to these places and I'm like, whoa, my poetry game needs to go up a bit like I, right, right. I had some experiences because i've just been writing poetry my whole life i'd gotten used to people listening to me right because i had sure. all these people listening to my self-help self-love stuff and i could just write a poem that was like kind of self-lovey it could rhyme it could not rhyme and people would be like yay that's really great right and then i started going to these events and meeting some of these poets that you know we're doing spoken word and we're talking right. about what's like really current climate stuff. And I learned a lot. And so I started doing spoken word and I learned a lot in a short period of time. And 
I started reading more poetry books, especially when COVID hit. Like I was stuck in New Zealand. I started reading more poetry books and um, I really grew to have an appreciation for structure, for the structure mm. of poetry. And especially like what people are willing to publish and not willing to publish. Like I read book after book after book after book, like everything that made me feel, I have recommended to, to other people. But the stuff that didn't make me feel like the crappy, like I would never name these poetry books, but books that I read that I was like, that was a serious waste of like $3 even, <laughs> you know? Right. But I learned so much from that because the question is why, you know, the question is, why do you react like this to this? Why do you react like this to this? And mm -hmm. I try to pay attention, like the descriptions on Amazon, like how do they make you feel? How does the title make you feel? How does the thing make you feel? Where, where's that alignment where it's a nice experience reading a poetry book? Mm -hmm. And at the time, I, I kept submitting to journals. I kept like trying to put together this manuscript and I, you know, kept getting back this feedback from people that was either like, we don't take poets, like we don't want your poetry, or why don't you just do it yourself? Mm. And I was like, well, I've been doing it myself and I want some help. And somebody's like, I, I mean, so, some like an agent messaged me back and was like, you want the help with the poetry? Like you want somebody to take 90% of your earnings like in poetry, because it's already like we already don't believe that it's gonna sell and you want to yeah. also give that percentage. And so, you know, I kind of like gritted my teeth. I actually have a really angry poem called We Don't Want Your Poetry <laughs> that I slammed in Hawaii because I was so angry about this whole process. But, you know, after I screamed that out on stage, I think the angriest I've ever been in my life in public, like legitimately, um, I was like, okay, now that I'm not mad, the question is how, right? Mm. The question is how. So if it's not through these like poetry contests and it's not through these how, because I've seen people, you know, when somebody wins a poetry contest, I appreciate these things. I do. I appreciate the literary scene and everything that they're right. trying to do, the right. online poetry stuff. But you look up some of these poets' Instagrams and they've got like 700 followers and they work at you know microsoft and that's not what i wanted so i was like how you know and it was really like as a last resort that i was like okay i guess i'm gonna like i'm gonna do the same thing with this book that i've done with my other books i'm just gonna like i'm gonna hire freelancers i'm gonna spearhead this project um i started working with a girl for the cover who actually turned out to have way more skills than i even realized she had so she's been really instrumental to me in the goal and the, and the overarching goal for this book has been how do I bring it to the world like where mm -hmm. does it want to go where do these poems want to go what is this story who is it for and why do they need it and for a long time I was trying to do um because I advertise on Amazon I advertise on Instagram and I was on Instagram trying to advertise to the poetry people like I'm advertising to people who like poetry community poets whatever Right. It's not converting. Like, what I mean by that is, you know, maybe they like your posts, but it's yeah. not even about them not buying your book. It's like they don't follow. Like, you right. know that your advertising is working if somebody's like following you and buying your book. Like, there's right. like a, right. you know, there's the levels of it. And, you know, then I found, I found the audience. You know what the audience is? No. The feminists. I advertise to the feminists because it's a feminist. Mm -hmm leaning 
poetry book. It's super edgy and I say that it's feminist. And the feminists that I'm advertising to right now, um, they just believe what I'm saying. It just happens to be poetry. Wow. Poetry is the most succinct way that I could communicate. And that's exactly what Rupi Kaur did. You know, Rupi Kaur put out, like when she put out her book, it was about the ideas, you know, about the simplest way to say these beautiful things and who are you saying them to? And it doesn't matter that it's poetry, Wow! right? It's not about the art form. It's about the, the, the core, like who's yeah. it for? Who is it for and why do they need it? Like today, right before, right before I came on here, there's a comment on my most recent post from a woman who said she read the first 30 pages and she bought one for her best friend and then she read a bit more and then she bought one for, for her other friend because she was like, this is something we all need. Some other woman messaged me screenshots of her conversation with her mother where they're like reading it together and like, this makes me feel so type of way, like them heard her mother writing, the, like exchanging these poems in order to communicate to each other how they feel. Wow. Like that's who it was for. That's why like some of those poems were painful to write. This whole book publishing process was expensive as hell and it was really, really stressful. But now these things are happening and that's why you know, it wasn't about selling a poem. It was about how does art become a valuable part of society? How does art connect people to each other? How does art give people the opportunity to express what it is that they never knew they needed to express? Like, who is it that needs to hear you say the thing that they don't know how to say, right? Where are these people? Because they've got 10 bucks, right? Right. A poetry book is not expensive. Um, so just about saying, saying the things that you already have to say to the people who want to hear them. Where are they? Right. Man, you just gave Where me a they? revelation because <laughs> I was doing the same thing. I was marketing to poets and people who love poetry and blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. And they have enough poetry. <laughs> you know, they're surrounded by it like why do they need more so yeah. that is perfect mm. wow so it's not necessarily about the medium the, the mm. art form it is the subject matter and mm. as the subject matter relates to their issues their uh, mm. desires it really doesn't matter if it's music, uh, right. dance, art. Like, wow, that's good. That all of that is worth this entire episode right there. <laughs> that's it. Let's cut. No, 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 no. You have a whole lot more. You have a whole lot more. So I'm gonna pull it out. Oh. You. That that's absolutely amazing. Ah oh, man, so I'm <laughs> when this is over, I'm I'm really about to start some ads <laughs> and, <laughs> and test this theory out seriously because yeah. it was not converting. I was like, this stuff is good. Like, why aren't the poets and the poetry lovers like taking on to you know? So 
Thank you. Thank you. You have to also remember what Facebook and Instagram do. So when somebody advertises to a certain kind of audience often, then mm -hmm. Facebook and Instagram actually like employ people to create fake accounts that will click on certain ads when those ads have a certain kind of demand. Like they're sneaky, they really are. And if you don't check like your location settings, then they'll just advertise. They employ a lot of people from India in order to do this. And so if you don't check your settings like on Facebook or whatever, then you will just advertise to a bunch of like fake accounts in India. And then if you don't set the location settings, you could advertise to a lot of real accounts in India. But you have to figure out like, are your readers in India? Like you have to figure out where they are and what you're saying and who you're talking to. And the more specific the better, right? Because I think these general audiences, a lot of these general audiences, they're getting fake accounts to follow for. And why wouldn't they, you know? Like, it's not some, right. like, big conspiracy. It's like, why wouldn't they? Right. right? Like, people game their system, so they game the system too, right? It's just, like, figuring out where's the niche. Like, I think niches have been a really important topic, yeah. like, in business for, for a long time, but it's true, you know? Like, Seth Godin was talking about the end of mass years ago. Like he was talking about how everybody is just going to be little niches of people who want something really specific. Like I do feminist poetry now, apparently. And wow. it makes sense because that is what I've been doing. That's what happened to me. Like when the rebirth of Veronica Wilde has been the rebirth of, of feminism and social justice of all kinds within me and me caring about politics me caring about these things and me being willing to look at all these parts of society that spirituality and self-help and all of these like bypassing over optimistic notions like they're just not looking at it you know like they've been the new age movement has been absolutely shameful in their response to the black lives matter movement you know because right. they're just like discounting everything with these spiritual ideas and so for me it was like the rebirth of being the kind of person who can look at reality in the face and, you know, I can kind of like drag my spirituality behind me and um, use my art to do it. And it's, mm. uh, it's interesting how the people who are into feminist poetry are already set up for that because it's Rupi Kaur's audience, if anything. Like, I think mm. the people who love my stuff are the same people that have been loving her stuff all along. Wow. Like, I remember being in the audience of a Rupi Kaur show and it was just like all women and... You know, just like some of these moments of laughter, some of these moments of crying were just so powerful to me. So I was like, wow, we're just like feeling these things like this right. is safe. You know, like we're all yeah. in here safe to feel this together. We all feel safe to laugh at this here together, you know. And I mean, there were men in the audience, I'm sure. But it's just like there's a it's just such a safe, such a safe space in order to yeah. talk about women's issues with this poet who i mean she's a comedian too like she's an amazing performer like she'll do a poem and then she's so funny and she looks great and i remember looking at her at the sony center and being like i don't know i want that you know <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and what is yeah. it and it's taking me so long to even begin to understand like how those things go together and i think there's a long way for me there's a long way to go like sure. when we're recording this like I just passed somewhere near 6,000 followers on my Instagram and somewhere near 16,000 on my Facebook. Like, I don't know where it's going to be by the time that somebody sees this episode. And I'm not working on that 
directly, but it's like something that I'm grateful for. Like I see how the process of me bringing this book to the world and the things that I had to say and bringing it to the people who needed to hear them, seeing Mm -hmm. that create a bigger community and create more abundance and all of that, like, you know, why not dream about the big things? Why not dream about the Sony Center? And why not, you know, be grateful for every single step and then also be like, she did it. I mean, if she did it, why can't I? I mean, I think that's what Rupi Kaur has done for poets. Brandon Leak. I mean, like, if he can, why can't any other poet? Like, if he can do it, like, he's showing everybody what's possible. And, yeah, yeah, I just want to keep stepping in those footsteps. And I think focusing on those people, right? right? Like, focusing on those people and if they come to town it doesn't even matter if you like their poetry or not but the people who are creating opportunities in the poetry field right now like if rupee core comes to town like just go buy a ticket right yeah. like if brandon lee comes to town buy a ticket right like if right. andrea gibson comes to town buy a ticket and support the growth of the of everybody unfolding together because i think poetry is coming alive in this it way is. that it never has before and from covid too right because of covid we need art like this is going to be some kind of renaissance it really is really it really is yeah most definitely i mean everything that that. you described really spells out what the premises of this podcast is right so and that's why we bring on artists like yourself um so Mm. other poets can see wow she she came all the way from Ukraine, you know, <laughs> and, and I've, I've been here all my life, you know, and uh, um, but like you said, if she can do it, I can do it, you know. So 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 would you consider yourself a, a, a page poet or or and or a stage poet? So I thought I was a page poet, but the first time I ever did, the first time I ever wrote a piece of spoken word, like I, I wrote it on day one, I memorized it by day two and I was performing it by day four. And I was like the sacrificial poet. And I remember that night, um, Tanya, like one of the women that runs, um, no, one of the people that runs uh, Toronto Poetry Slam. Sorry, I, I actually don't know this person's pronouns, so I shouldn't say. Um, but, you know, Tanya was like, why aren't you slamming? And I said, this is the only poem I have. <laughs> like, I don't have any other poems because you need like more than one poem. And it was it was amazing, like just the feeling, the rush. And I couldn't understand what was happening, like why, why, why I liked it or why other people liked it when I had just begun doing it. And then I realized that it was just theater. Like the more that I've gone to mm. see poetry, the more I've been like, oh, it's theater. And so I actually went to theater. I took theater in university and dropped out i'm a theater school dropout because <laughs> it was just like not something that you do in university like that became pretty clear to me um i mean i made it through the first year but then after that i was like there's something there's something really weird going on here but i never that never left me like i have i acted in high school like i wrote a play i acted in a play I acted in a play and a thing so i've always had this like passion for theater and that's, that's what spoken word is, right? Like it's bringing yeah. theater together with the page poem. And I've had a lot of moments competing in slams where I've learned a lot. 
Mm. You know, the difference between what I thought people would react to and what people actually react to, like it hurt. Like it hurt <laughs> over and over and over until right. until I was like, okay. And even now, you know, the other day I was like kind of rusty and I did a poem on somebody's live. And afterward I was like, oh, I should have, you know, si silence, you know, if you can, like allow more silence, right. allow more more dynamics. But it's a, it's just a journey, right? Like yeah. performing on stage is something that you refine and then page poetry is something that you refine. So I'm actually trying to, I'm trying to do both and I'm releasing an album very soon, actually on nice. the 22nd, which is nice. in a few days. Actually, <laughs> actually on the 22nd, huh? Okay. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, just real nonchalant. Uh, in yeah. a few days, in a few days. Uh, <laughs> Because yep. eleven twenty two, I was like, it's a good date. That's why I released Loving Gaslight on Halloween. Um, because somebody told me it was a portal. Do I believe <laughs> in portals? I don't know. But she said it was a portal and it sounded cool. And I'm like, Halloween release, okay. Um and then, you know, when I was putting out the book, I wanted to mention the album. So I was like, when could we do this? When could right. we do it? Like I just put a date on it you know the thing is when you're running your own artistic production you can set deadlines and then just break them yeah you know if yeah. you said the 22nd and it's not ready by then you know people are not gonna throw molotov cocktails at your house you know like right, they'll right. they'll wait and they'll be even more excited as long as you yeah. mention it i think that's yeah. the important thing like when there's a when you promise something would be ready at least mention that you remember that it was supposed to be done. But um, right. it, once again, like coming back to who's this album for and why, because the, the album is different from the book. Like the subject matter that I've covered overlaps. There's one piece that overlaps in the book and the album. It's called mm. A Love Story Alone. And that's a that's a performance piece. Like when I won a slam in, in Melbourne, like that was one of the pieces that I slammed. Like it's one of my core pieces. And so there's that overlap between it, but it's a different, it, it's a different look at the story. Yeah. Right. It's a different yeah. thing. And then I've worked with a producer to make the music. And so it's been, yeah, that's been a completely different experience that, than the book. And I was like, you know, why, why not? Why not do both? Like right now, because of COVID, there's so many yeah. artists doing so many things. Like we all have to level up. Like I think we all need to Seriously. have a book and an album and, produce it yourself and just and put something out there. Right? It's, a, it's a great time an opportunity to do that because yeah. COVID has cut down on all of the distractions. Yeah. But a lot of people have <laughs> added more distractions and just watch more TV and, and yeah. you know, we, we've asked and prayed for, you know, time to create and mm. we're not capitalizing. It looks like you are though. Yeah. It's, it's interesting to be at this point because I actually have, like, I, I was writing the poems, right? And then I decided I was going to compile the poems and those are two different processes. And then doing the albums in the background, but I actually have an artistic residency coming up at this place in Toronto called Artscape Gibraltar Point. It's on the island. So it's like in the middle of nature, in the middle of winter, I'm wow. going to be doing an artistic residency. And I was thinking I might pull some fiction out, you know, and maybe try to edit some fiction only because 
I've written a lot of fiction in my life. All it needs is like editing and restructuring. And that's something that you can do any day. Yeah. Right. So I think as a writer, it's really important to, or just like a writer or a performance coach, it's really important to have stuff that you can do. That's no pressure. Like I'm yeah. telling myself, I can just go, I can just edit. I don't have to write anything. And I think where people go wrong is that they try to force themselves to do things that you can't force yourself to do. Like you can only formulate a routine of doing the boring stuff, right? All yeah. the exciting stuff will start popping up. Well, okay, here's something I got out of my very expensive college education, behavioral <laughs> momentum. <laughs> mm -hmm. Like when you just start doing stuff, like it becomes easier to do stuff. Right. Yeah. Like if you're just lying in your bed all day, every day, it's going to be really hard to get up and run a marathon the next day. Right. But you could get up and walk to the kitchen and get yourself a drink of water. That's one day. Right. Then mm. the next day you go and you get yourself a drink of water. Maybe you go outside for a second. You just get yourself in the habit of doing things doing things you enjoy, doing things you have to do, doing things you enjoy, doing things you have to do. And then it all just right. like, it makes you happy, you know? And I think a yeah. lot of people are just sitting outside of that cycle being like, how will I ever get to that place where everything's in place and I'm happy and I'm creating every day and I'm whatever, but it's, it's a, it's a snowball, you know, like you have to roll it and then it gets bigger and then it gets bigger and then, you have yeah. to build it, right? Like it takes time. It takes um, momentum and you just yeah. start with the first step, just the first, the first most logical step, whatever, wherever you're going. Just forward. start, just start. Yeah. <laughs> just anything. I think that's Buy a domain hardest. name, like <laughs> open yeah. an Instagram account, right? I think that's the hardest part for most people, the starting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, from from what I from from what I hear, um, people who have procrastination uh, vices, and mm. you know, uh, it's like I don't know where to start. Um, you know, it's like the analysis paralysis uh, yeah. situation. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> so this is so this is what you do. You're a writer. Yeah. Nice. And I say poet now because it shocks the uh, border crossing guards in this really beautiful way. Now. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds better. What do you do for a living? <laughs> I'm a poet. <laughs> so do you have to further explain and for people when they, when they, when they like, what do you, what do you mean? You're that's, you're a poet. Like that's it, or you know, do you have to further explain and justify and all of that, or you just not yet? <laughs> no, I haven't yet. Um, the weirdest thing at the airport is when they ask you the nature of your relationship with somebody. I find that to be the strangest thing. Um, right. But except for that, you know, yeah, they've never given me much trouble. Fortunately, so yeah. like I get asked questions, but I feel like I have a much easier time at the airport than most people. And I'm actually really grateful for that. Like I have to admit that it's easier for me than 
because I've seen a lot of things. You know what I mean? Like I've been in a lot of airports. I've seen a lot of things go down. I know how the airport works and it's a it's not a fair place. Um, But I have the privilege of being able to play around and say things like I'm a poet and not worry about pissing them off. Like I think they a lot of the time, like they just make them smile, you know, and then (laughs) move on with the interaction well, regular people when they ask you what you do and do, do they ask for, for further explanation or they're just like wow okay i think it depends on the person like a lot of the time what happens to me is that people will start pulling out their like google keep and their notes app and start showing me stuff for real like <laughs> that's definitely people show me stuff and then and then what am I supposed to do? Cause I'm like, and so what, what I've, what I've started doing is I've started asking people like, are you asking me for feedback? Yeah. They want, want, feedback? they want you to critique their poem. And most of the time people say no. If I'm like, do you want me to actually give you feedback? Cause I can be really harsh and I'm really honest and I'm Russian. So <laughs> people are like, <laughs> do you want it? Cause like my writing feedback, like, um, like one of my friends from from Hawaii, like uh, that happened with his manuscript. I was like, "Are you sure you want me to edit it? Because if I edit it, like it might hurt you because you're gonna see like a lot, a lot oh, of feedback." And he was like, "No, no, it's okay. It's fine. I'm ready." And then, <laughs> like the next day, he was like, "Okay, that that was kind of painful." <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> So what I've learned to do is ask people if they want feedback because they'll probably say no, in which case I'm like, I like the rhyme scheme. It could be a song. That's what I say most of the time because most of the time there's a rhyme scheme and it could be a song, right? right? A bad poem with a rhyme scheme is a really good song. Yeah. It is. Yeah. 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 Uh, So you know Anita D. I do. Yeah. I've okay. never met her, but I do know her, yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Social media. Yeah, I mean, after all of that, there was all that stuff that went down in Hawaii. Um, actually, like, her story, her coming out and being really honest about what had happened to her. Um, I, the day that I got on a plane to go to Hawaii, I got sexually assaulted. And mm. I guess I just didn't. I didn't process it. Like there's something about like getting assaulted that already like it messes up your head and then you're just like not seeing straight. But going to a different country at that point and then just starting this different life, like it was it was a really strange process. And so when she came out about all of that stuff happening, then um that's when I got into contact with her and I was like, Hey, first of all, I believe you and I support you, like just as a like a woman to a woman, like I believe you. And also I'm realizing that I have something to come forward about too. And she was like, she was so encouraging and she was so sweet to me. Like she was going through her own thing, which made me start going through my own thing. And we went back and forth, like being really, just being really kind to each other through that process because there were a lot of people being not very nice to like both of us. So um, yeah, I really appreciate her and like the role that she had in showing me the an example of honesty you know and and calling people out and being brave enough to to do something like that but we've never actually met in person because then COVID hit and yeah yeah 
Yeah. Did you did you get a chance to see her episode? It was it was really it was really good. Um, creating safe spaces in the poetry industry and community. It was uh, yeah, it was really good. It was really good. Uh, she she was able to share a lot of information and um, wisdom, you know, for uh, a lot of women and just people in general. Um, to you know, one keep your eyes open, but um, be be smart at uh, uh, even even when planning to take trips. Um, even with gigs and nature, kind of plan out your entire situation where you have accountability to where you can call somebody. And um, that was that was that was a good episode. So I, I really do appreciate that. And um, and then and then you reached out, and I was like, hey, cool. I like this whole connection thing. This is cool. This is cool. Yeah. So 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 with your this, this is your second book, yes? So technically, this is actually my fourth book, but okay. um, the third book was the first poetry book that I, that I put out. Um, it was called The Shades of Missing You. And it was like all these sappy love poems that mm-hmm. I had collected over the, cause I had left a long-term relationship and mm-hmm. in that process, I was finding myself and I was finding my voice. And all mm-hmm. these like sappy love poems about my ex started coming out. And so I thought these poems were really something. Um, and then, you know, COVID hit. I read all these poetry books. Like I start watching more of these poetry videos. And you know what? I just took that book off sale. And there are people who liked it. And I'm glad that they liked it. And I'm glad that they have a copy. But um I just, once my writing started to improve in poetry specifically, I just right. couldn't, I couldn't stand the fact that there was something that I considered so subpar out there. And I knew that if I let it continue and if I let that book go and, you know, reach people or whatever, that it could reach people. And then mm-hmm. I could have my name associated with these sappy love poems, you know, and that could be the thing that I do. Like with my first book, it's got the people that follow it, follow it. The people who like it, like it. And um, that's that, you know, I'm, I can't take it off sale now. So with this third poetry book, I took it off sale as soon as I could. Cause I was <laughs> like, I don't want, I don't want these, poems out there because it's not me you know like I write sappy angsty poems whatever I write when I need to write but with this book with love and gaslight I felt like okay this is me because I am so meticulous about structure there's so much meticulousness about structure in these poems but it's also like it's edgy you know like it's got Mm. swearing in it it's got like references to it's got colloquialism in it for lack of a better word, right? Like it's Mm. got life in it and it's art and it's real and it's breathing and it's alive, you know, and it's, it's so relevant. And um, yeah, I was like, this is what I want to stand for. You know what I mean? Like this is the kind of poetry that really aligns with my soul while I can write whatever, this is what I want to share. So third published book that you took down is like more surfacey. It's too. It's not deep enough for. Just not experienced enough at using the page 
you know, like if a page is blank, what you're sharing is an idea. If you're mm. only sharing one simple idea, then that poem could just be like one sentence, right? Like it's better to have one very short, very punchy sentence than a bunch of words that are unnecessary. So I always try to make things as short as they can be, like as 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 short and as beautiful and as structured as they can possibly be. Like mm. I take a lot of time and care to try to use new structures, try to play with space, try to play with, you know, like paragraphing, um, you know, I try to match up like different, different lines to different stanzas, stanzas, you know, it's kind of like a collaging work for me. Mm. And uh, I wasn't doing that with, that book so it wasn't just like a surface topic like oh i miss my ex you know like, <laughs> right. also just this like unrefined art form that was not i didn't feel like it was masterful like i i feel like what i've put out now maybe in two years i'll look back on it and be like oh my god loving gaslight what was i thinking you know <laughs> right now i'm like this is literally the best that i can do this wow. is the best the best that I can do. And I still like it. You know, I still read these poems. And I'm like, wow, like I'm happy about how they turned out. Wow. You know? Wow. It just can, takes practice. Have I have, um, because I gave the, I gave the one without the not for resale sticker to the designer. So I have a proof nice. with me. Yeah. How old were you there? Two? The, I don't know. But funny story about this picture is that my mom at first didn't want me to use it. Hmm? You see, my mom didn't want me to use it at first because she said it's a picture of her baby. I was like, but, but I'm that baby. Like I, right. I have rights to my own. It was an interesting conversation for sure. <laughs> 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 we were like, who owns this baby? Is uh, it me? <laughs> but yeah, I'm pretty young. Has she had a chance to read it? So she has had to read it because um, there are references in there to things that um, I guess I have I have a relationship with my mother now because of poetry. Like we've had a really difficult relationship pretty much our entire life. And last year around this time, I sent her the, what used to be this manuscript and it was nothing like, I mean, it's actually like embarrassing what the first drafts of this book were like, but I sent her one of the first drafts and said, this is what I feel like I have to say right now about the trauma that I'm processing from my childhood. And, um, she visited me like I was in Vancouver at the time in the five years I'd been a nomad nobody in my family had ever visited me anywhere I sent her these poems and she visited me like we cried together we shared a king bed like we slept on opposite ends but you know like it was like a I'm spending time with my mom you know and um I showed her so many of my stage poems she came to see me at a slam she's read like so many of the of the versions of this book and throughout, like there's been times that she's told me like, I don't know if I'm comfortable with you saying this about me. So then I've, you know, I've actually edited things because I was like, is it essential for me to put something in there that makes mm. her uncomfortable when she's already tolerating 
there are things in there that I know make her uncomfortable that she's like, okay, I can understand for the sake of the art, for the sake of the art. (laughs) Like my mom has to put up with a lot. Right. And she's actively engaged in that process. Like she's more engaged in my art now than I think she's ever been, but she's always, she was the one that used to read my stuff and cry. Wow. I've been writing like emotionally moving things pretty much my entire life. And she used to read some of my short stories and she would just end up in tears. And I'd be like, okay, that's good. I know it's good if mom's crying. And so there's stuff in this book that she was like feeling things about. And I'm like, okay, that's good. If mom's Uh, feeling things is good. (laughs) So do you have to get her blessing or approval or permission when you know like if someone does a tell-all book or you know and names names <laughs> you know do they have yeah. to or do you have to get permission I mean I never asked my dad anything about this book I don't even know if he's gonna buy it you know what I mean like um <laughs> I when it came to like my mom I just feel like we have a relationship right like she's I just showed her this stuff just to tell her because it was the easiest it was how I knew how to say this because I'm also sharing with her some of my childhood trauma I'm trying to share with her what it is that I feel like has been happening all along and I also I'm trying to tell her what happened and I was in a seven-year relationship and my whole family was like oh my god we loved him what happened and you know it was like an answer to like what happened back there and it was just an answer to a lot of these questions that I didn't know how to answer and so sharing that with her and her responding in this really receptive way I feel like she deserves um she deserves to be heard when it comes to what I should and shouldn't take out because of how close it hits to home Mm. You know what I mean? Like she's taken the time and the effort to build a relationship with me. And even when, you know, she was so disappointed in me because she was like, you know, we, we didn't have a relationship. And the only relationship that we had at that moment was she was like, oh, my daughter hates me and is a drug addict. That's nice. You know? Mm. And at that point, like I wouldn't have been showing her my art, asking her for feedback, you know? So we've just come so far in our relationship in the past year and poetry has been so instrumental in that. So how could I not, right? Like how could I not show it to her now when I see how that conversation with her has played out? And honestly, all the things that I don't feel like I can say in poetry, I'm writing into fiction. So Mm. (laughs) So that's where imagination comes in. Wow. Wow. This is, um, this is good. I, I, uh, man, you make me want to write a book. Um, Oh, yay. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And I'm sure a lot of people watching or listening or even reading the blog when it comes out, um, they'll, they'll feel many different emotions when listening and, but I know it will inspire and push them to do something at least at the very least, to start, mm. you know, yeah. yeah. Um, so, where do you see yourself in the next few years? Right, you, you, you just <laughs> released this book. 
Um, you have an album coming out in six days. <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> where, where, where do you see yourself going from here? You know, I like. Um, you know, it's it's interesting that you're asking that because COVID has made like I have a COVID plan and I have a non-COVID plan. So like if COVID just if I if we can just leave and come back and there's no two week quarantine. I really feel like I need to go back to Ukraine and I need to go to Tatarstan. I need to go see my roots because my grandmother was trying to tell me for like my whole life that I'm Russian indigenous. Like she would be like, you think you're Russian? You tell people you're Russian? You're not Russian, you're Tatar. And it would be like, dude, dude. Like I just wasn't listening because I didn't know the Russian word for indigenous. I didn't know... I didn't know what was going on. I wasn't listening. So my grandpa dies. I start listening. And it becomes really clear to me how this culture is being lost. Like every day. Like things are being appropriated. Things are being lost. Things are being like stolen. And things are being put into museums, you know? Like let's take this, put it in a museum. There, I still have family artifacts that are... I, I feel like I can't even say them out loud in case the Russians like see this and take it into the museum, you know what <laughs> I mean? Like I really feel like there's such an abundance of um, culture that I've never experienced that I'm really excited to experience. And I feel like that would be a book. And if I were to go and I were to go do that, I think that would be something that I pitched to a publisher, even mm. though they take so much of, your royalties and even though they're so hard to work with i think if they could help me pay for the expenses and then i knew that was my project like my project is to go and to write about my people and it's that's that's the key that's the these are my resources i'm going um i think that would be a really good project yeah. for a book but if covid keeps me in canada then it's completely different. Like I actually was thinking, I've been playing around with music a lot. Like I've been, I've been singing a bunch. I have a lot of, I have a lot of songs that I've written that I've never tried to make into anything. And making this spoken word album, um, because the producer is such an amazing musician, I've had to revive my love of music theory. Like I love structure, right? So music theory is like pure structure. It's like. Mm. mathematics you know like my love of math um i know it's like a russian who loves math but i do i like love i love math um and yeah i was thinking like if i'm just stuck here i might as well just like get a midi keyboard and like a loop pedal and have some fun right like just make make as much art as possible because there's if that's what's in me to give right. and that's what people need. Like people need art right now. If COVID keeps going, we need more art. We need, we need more art. <laughs> we do. We need more inspiration. We need more uplifting stuff. And this book was a great purge. And I think it is going to be really important for women. And it is really important for the feminist movement. Um, but I would actually really like to have some stuff that's just like, um, maybe, maybe my lyrics have always been a certain kind of edgy or angsty, but there's something yeah. about music that's also really healing, just like sound. 
healing. So I, yeah, I think that's what I'd explore. If I couldn't go out there, I would just go deeper inside of my brain and see what's still in there, right? Like you don't even right. know what you're capable of. Yeah. And it's play, right? Like it's just a big play session. It's like when you're a kindergartner and you're like, oh, am I going to play with this? Am I going to play with that? I mean, that's that can be creating in quarantine if there's no pressure, right? If you take yeah. the pressure off and have a good time. What what do what do your followers mean to you? <sighs> I mean, I think like to tell you the honest truth, it's like I don't I don't love myself consistently enough to do this for me. You know? Yeah. Like if I was doing it all for me, there are days I look in the mirror like I don't want to do anything for that person. So my followers, my readers, you know, people who message me and they tell me that it's making a difference in their lives. Like it literally keeps me alive. Like it keeps me sticking around on the days when that becomes really difficult. Cause I know, okay, this is what it's for. And then I'll go through something else like traumatizing. Like I'll go through a traumatizing experience. Or I'll go through a lot of pain. And I'm like, why? Like everything just hurts so much. You know, like when you're a poet, a lot of poets feel really deeply. So it's like, why this pain all the time? You know, and I've just come to see it as like, I'm being given samples of this pain so that I can churn it into something. And then I can invite people on that transformation process. Mm -hmm. Like what else is a poet to do? Like is a poet right. going to have a nice life with stable relationships? I don't think so. I don't think that's what we get. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. That's not the plan. So I feel like the people that support my work, the people who comment, the people who buy my books, the people who message me, the people, like even the people who like send a little fire emoji when I post like, story. Like, okay, they're kind of thirst traps in my story. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, you know, that keeps you going, especially in the middle of a quarantine. You know, like these people that when I reach out a hand, they reach back. Mm. When I wave, they wave back. You know, wow. when I'm frowning, they want to see me smile. Like, what else can you ask for? Like, that's, it keeps you going as an artist, you know? And I think that's why a lot of people don't share their stuff because they're afraid that it's not good enough. But mm. then you're missing out on all the love from all the people who need you, like they need your words so that they can get better or that they can, you know, cry or rage or whatever. They can feel whatever they need to feel and then they're gonna reflect it back to you. And a lot of people, like if, if you're not sharing, then you're probably like driving your partner or your mother or your sister or your cousin or whoever you live with crazy, trying yeah. to get their approval when you need like a proper audience of people responding back to yourself and yeah you know. yeah um a good friend of mine orville the poet he said you were given a gift not to keep but to give away yeah that that was i was like that makes wow. sense yeah yeah yeah, and so that's what you're doing. 
you were you were given a gift and you are doing what you're supposed to be doing with it. I try. I'm trying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So so um, where can they find your book? So you can search for it on Amazon. So right now I just did like a full Amazon launch. You can search for Love and Gaslight. Very soon there's going to be a hardcover also nice. available, which, you know, I'm such a perfectionist. So yeah. <laughs> that's why everything's always like late because I am just tweaking like things until the last moment. So there might be a hardcover by the time you're listening. Um, mm -hmm. But right now, yeah, definitely take a search on Amazon. And, you know, when it comes to indie authors, like the most important thing that you can do is when you buy the book on Amazon or whatever, just leave a review. And All even right. if you download the book, I know people download my stuff. Like I'm, I'm not stupid, right? Like I know about right. torrenting. Um, even if you torrent something, then just leave a review. You know, like the reviews make such a difference because, you know, it's just like a really big, huge thing. And even though you can buy it on different places that aren't Amazon, like Amazon has such power when it comes to showing people if something's trustworthy, like people will look up book reviews on Amazon, people will will look at that and the recommendations make such a difference. And, you know, it just takes a second. Like if you've read something or if you looked at something, especially if you're looking at indie authors, you know, like some people, it, is it going to make a difference to Deepak Chopra if you like give him a review or not? Like maybe, maybe not. Right. But to me, mm -hmm. like it always, it's always made, made a difference. And, um, I think I try to communicate that to people, not just about my work, but like about everybody's work that like when you're right. when you're dealing with the, what's going on in the so, social media atmosphere, what's going on on the Internet, like it is trying to do the thing where everybody where the million follower people monopolize all your time and everybody else gets lost. Yeah. And for those of us that are trying to be heard inside of that sea, it's 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 a constant effort to be heard above, above these things. And so it makes a difference when people make an effort to listen and then they make an effort to, to support, you know, like if you buy the book, just leave a review, you know, and even if you want to buy the book like directly from me, or you want to buy it from a bookstore, you want to go to like an independent bookshop and order a special, like, that's cool. I, lo I love that people want to use their independent bookstores too. Um, but definitely, Go on Amazon. And if you can't afford it, message me and I will send you the PDF. Like I've been doing that my entire writing career. I will send anybody a free PDF because I wow. believe in just spreading it. And if somebody reads a PDF and then they're so inspired, they start telling people about the book and then those people buy the book. You know, it's not about I don't need 10 bucks. You know, what I mean? like I don't need 10 bucks for a book. I just want these words to reach people. So I'm always up to. If somebody can't afford something, message me. Or if you wow. want a special signed hardcover, also message me, right? <laughs> nice. So where else can they find it? They can find it on your website or, or Facebook page or? Yeah, I, I mean, I'm revamping my, my website right now. So yeah, veronica.org. It will nice. be revamped very soon. Cause I'm, you know, as I said, I'm going through a bit of a personality transformation. So um, Instagram is kind of like the, the place where I feel like a lot of my rebirth as an artist has happened and where a lot of the most interesting conversations about my art are circulating and where I dedicate the most amount of time. Like I put stuff in my Instagram stories. I ask people questions. I respond to questions. So 
yeah, like you can, I do have a Facebook page. I have a, I have an email, I have a website, but I just, I just feel something about my Instagram right now, you know, mm -hmm. where I feel like I've put time and energy into it and the community that's building, like I see it being thriving and the platform isn't fighting me on it. So I would mm. definitely come join me on Instagram, <laughs> Veronica Wild. One, one thing <laughs> that I've I've been learning uh, from the guests that I invite on is the studying aspect. Um, mm. You've said it, um, previous guests have said it, and I think that's what set you all apart from others, I'll just say others, is the studying part. You know, you said you you read a lot of poetry books and the structure and that has enhanced your writing, you know, and didn't get the big head to say, what I write is what I write and that's how I'm gonna write and that's it. <laughs> Trust me, I hear it all the time, you know. So yeah, it, but you've you you said it, it 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 takes it to the next level when you put the effort and the time in mm -hmm. yeah. yeah and it's not a chore right like watching andrea gibson videos on youtube over and over crying on the floor like i do this this is work <laughs> you know <laughs> this is valuable research um it really is like those are some of the most key moments when when I really rewind like, oh, what inspired me to write this poem that's, you know, gotten all these views and all these exposure or whatever. I go back and it was something like that, you know, wow. or it's sitting and having a tough conversation with with my mother, you know, or, or somebody turning on the news and I'm like, oh, turn that off. And they're like, no, 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 I'm going to keep it on. Whatever it is that I see on the news makes a poem. Right. Like you just don't know. You don't know where it's coming from. And I feel like it's so important to just be ready to just be ready to just be ready for the art to come at any moment and to be like, oh, thank you. Instead of, oh, it's so inconvenient. I'm in the shower or like, oh, I don't have a pen. It's like then memorize it. I have memorized an entire six minute poem and then said it like at the end of it like took me a few hours, but I just like kept saying it over and over to myself like I wrote it as I memorized it and I've never done that before or after that I did that in LA like last year I would like to try to do it again because apparently Jay-Z like doesn't write down any of his raps mm -hmm. and at first I didn't believe it but now I'm like I think it's true because I've had that experience of just writing something and memorizing it at the same time um, but it's a place I have to allow myself to go I have to yeah. allow myself to believe that I'm capable of things that I've never even tried to do and just play, you know, just like jump on that next thing. It's just, it's really about courage. Like, I think it's right. all about courage, just risking things and having fun with it and letting that high, like that high of doing something new and something courageous, like that will keep you waking up in the morning, you know? Yeah. It really will. Yeah. See, I, I think the, the studying part is the difference between looking at poetry as a hobby and mm. and, and an actual career mm. you know or the, 
pursuit of an actual career, right? And 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 knowing that it can be one um, when there's no studying, it's like I I do well at this, but I don't see it going far. So I'm not right. going to even try, you know. So mm-hmm. I'm really excited to to put this episode out so so people can like really get that piece so they can say okay all right it's time to it's like it's time for me to take my my gift serious mm. but it's like serious but it's also like i think it has to be fun like you call it studying no, it's yeah. just like it, it does. you know it's like you have to love it. it. You have to love it. And there's so many poetry books. Like, I'm not going to go and read. I don't read dead poets. I don't. I'm reading the living, current mm. poets that are writing about what's going on right now. Like, I'm involved with that kind of poetry. And it makes me feel excited to to read it, you know? Like, it makes me feel ex- excited to see people writing about like political movements, writing writing about gay rights, like trans rights, you know, like, you know, about taking the land back. Like I get excited about this stuff mm-hmm. being put into art because it's relevant and it's right now and it's made my art more relevant. So I think letting, I think some people, sometimes they go on like YouTube holes, right? And then they'll watch a bunch of poetry on a YouTube hole and they don't realize that that's research. Yeah. And they don't realize that that's study and they don't realize how essential that is to their art form. They just think it's the same as going on Facebook and scrolling through. Like they just put everything into this lump of entertainment. Mm. But when you are an entertainer, right. then you just have to watch what you're consuming all the time. Mm. Right. Like you have to watch what kind of memes you're taking and what kind of accounts you're following, what kind of stuff you're laughing at, because mm. that'll become a part of your art. So just standing, uh-huh. I think, who says that, like, stand guard at the gates of your mind? Yeah. I don't know who says that, but I, I just really believe that. And and I unfollow people, like, all the time. Because for me, Instagram, like, that's part of my work. Like, I'm not on there to screw around. If I do want to scroll through it, I want to make sure that those comments are on accounts that I appreciate, that I want to follow, that I'm going to get valuable information from. Like sometimes it's poetry accounts, but I follow like people who from political movements. I follow other authors, like just anybody who's going to that you look at and you're like, oh, I could learn something from this person. I want something that this person has, like just to be able to observe that and then support it, like make your name show up on their account. Like if you really appreciate somebody's art, comment on their stuff, like like their stuff, share their Mm -hmm. stuff in your stories. Irsa Dali Ward London UK is one of my favorite poets. I think she actually is my favorite poet. Mm. And she followed me on Instagram like six months ago. But before that, I was like commenting on all of her things and liking all of her posts and mentioning her. If she had inspired a poem, I would put that into the post always. Just keep giving the respect. And then there's like this one moment, I don't know, she's got so many followers, right? Like she's going through the thing and then this one moment she just sees it and she's like, oh, that person's interesting and she followed me. It's not like she's interacting with my stuff on a regular basis now, but do you know what I mean? Like just that resiliency of showing respect for the people that you're learning from 
in the poetry community, it's really not far-fetched for them to reply. Right. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, and, and I think that's what I mean by taking it serious. You know, it's, mm -hmm. it definitely needs to be fun for sure, you know, um, because your passion and your love for doing something needs to be like adult play, you know? Um, <laughs> Yeah. Um, when you want to take things to the next level, you know, I think it's like, like that to some people was a chore to go and like and comment on other people's pages and things of that nature, you know, but if you change your perspective on it and, wow. and, and just say, I'm engaging with this person that I really appreciate because of what they put out is a whole different outlook on what you're doing now, you know? Yeah. 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 That's good. And let it in. It's like, let it in. Like if it feels like a chore to respond to something that somebody's put out, then you're not letting it in. Like if you mm -hmm. really appreciate somebody, then if you let their posts in and you let what they're putting out there in, you realize, Oh, so when I push publish on an Instagram post and I share this with people and I love it when people comment on my stuff, like other people also appreciate that. Or when I send somebody a message um, and it's like a difficult message to reply to, you know, leaving them on scene for like an entire 24 hours, that doesn't feel good. So like, <laughs> I'm going to maybe try to not do that to people. Like it's this constant Everything you do online is not like a video game. Like it's real. Like it makes people feel something. It can make people feel nice. It can make people feel bad. It can make people feel nothing. But just trying to share whatever it is that you want to share. Like if you're excited and you feel good, then like share that excitement with the person who produced it. Like right now, artists, like we need, we definitely need to build community with each other. And we need people to build community with us because it's so isolating in this quarantine. If you've been used to performing on stage, especially. Yeah. And then sometimes you go on some of these open mics and like it says, there's whatever, 20 people watching and there's a bunch of hearts coming out and then you pour your entire soul into your phone. Right. And then you're alone. Right. There's, there's no word for that. There's no, it's like, they talk about skin hunger like there's applause hunger where where you've just given your all and you're supposed to be in a room full of people who are looking at you like thank you for bearing your heart with us and then you're just sitting there staring at your fingerprints on a phone right. and it's it's really disorienting like yeah. I, it really bothers me i try not to do open mics because of that because it makes me feel so lonely and so mm -hmm. when other poets reach out and they just leave like a nice comment or whatever. Like sometimes it's in a moment like that, you know, when we're just feeling, we're just feeling something. It's yeah. been a year of a lot of feelings, right? And and the positive yeah. is that the more that you go out and you support other people and you comment on their stuff and you share their stuff, the more they will support you back. Mm. Like these are, these are some of the, these are like tactics. These are like Instagram growth tactics are mm -hmm. engaging with others. Yeah, like it, that's why I love Instagram because as opposed to any other social network, like the secret to making Instagram work is to just care about people. 
and let them care about you, right? Yeah. Like it's it's nice. I like it. <laughs> yeah. I, I really um I really appreciate the effort that you put in because when you when you reached out um and, and spoke about your book, um, you know, I was really grateful to see that you you had something to offer on on your page and and that was that you put in the work not just hey i got a book can we promote it you know (laughs) because that's not what we do here on this podcast this is not like a media run you know what i'm saying and so as you can tell we're we're talking about the process and and just kind of showing other people Mm -hmm. and poets how they can do it and so um, it wasn't until I went to your page, I was like, oh, all right, she has, she, she, she puts in the work, you know, so I can appreciate that. Thank you. It's yeah. been hard actually putting in the real work because like I refuse to, I refuse to buy followers and I refuse to do any of that stuff. And mm-hmm. I'm just, it's better to grow organically anyway. And I have such an appreciation for the community that I've built and how, how they've gotten to know each other. Mm. You know, you see people, the few people that you know didn't know each other before, and then you see them commenting on each other's stuff. Like in COVID lockdown, that makes you feel like, that makes you feel good. That's a nice connection, right? Right, Like if you can't see people in real life, then you might as well see the people that you know and love interacting with one another. And that's what happens, you know, because people that get drawn to you usually get drawn to each other. So it's taking the ego out of it, I think is what makes me work hard. Yeah. Cause I'm like, it's just art. Art is just trying to do itself through me. Like I'm not a writer. It's not like I write from my head. Like there are, the stories are already out there. You know, I'm just grabbing them and, making them into whatever it is that I want to make them into, but we're just channels, you know, so we have to take care of ourselves and we have to sleep because art doesn't care if you sleep, right? You have to take care of you and you have to eat well and then just let it try to keep it consistent. And it shouldn't be a chore, you know, by the point that it's a chore or where you're like forcing yourself to do something, something's off. Cause I like it. Like I like, I like all of it. I mean, I really do. I do. Even the parts that suck, like you have to love them. Like I do. I love them. The lonely poems. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's awesome. That's awesome. Look, Veronica, thank you so much. Um, I I really enjoyed this conversation. You know, um, uh, I, I look forward to to rewatching this and and listening oh. listening to it again. And uh, I, I do that often um, because one, I'm in it. So I don't, you know what I mean? I don't really, you know, I'm thinking of the next question and, you know, and so it isn't until I'm able to watch it again to be like, man, that was good. I, and then I know this is a good episode, but it's like times 10 when I listen or watch and to watch, mm. watch it, you know? So um, I really can appreciate uh, you coming on and, and sharing just all of what you know and what you've been able to accomplish. And um, I just know that your followers followers and other people that um, have not heard of you yet, uh, they're going to they're going to appreciate this episode as well. 
I believe that. And I, I mean, Christoph, you, t- you ask the best questions. Like you <sighs> really do. Like, you know how to, there's, yeah. It's, I mean, you even asked me something that made me talk about this building and it, I was thinking that like, it would be nice to mention it because I yeah. love when things come like full circle. And I feel like I'm in kind of a magical place in my life. And um, I don't know how, you know, where to take it, but I, you do have a pretty magical way of, taking I'm, I'm glad somebody you said on that. a journey. I don't I don't do research on our guests. You know, I don't because I really want I want it to be a surprise to me like mm. it's a surprise to the listeners and the viewers. So they get my full <laughs> reaction. As you can tell, my face is like oh, <laughs> the entire time because I have no idea what you're going to say, mm. you know. Um, and so, as you know, we we just kind of find out where the direction of the episode is going to go. And then I just kind of expound upon what you just said so I can go even further. But the biggest part is to kind of get the process, the ABC one, two, three. Um, so so because I mean, just think about it when you were younger, especially when I was younger, if I had like a poetry mentor uh, like Think about where would you where you would be even now, you know, if you had somebody or if you had a television show or podcast or radio and they were telling you how to do it, you know, and I did it, you know, that means you can do it, too. That would just been like so that's the purpose of this podcast, you know, so um, people like you, you're helping a lot of people. So are you. I mean, this yeah. is great. I yeah. feel I feel nice talking to you. This is a good conversation. Yeah. Likewise, likewise. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and I'm sure you can as well. But I I can talk about poetry for hours, <laughs> you know. But look, it's look, it's two minutes from midnight right now. <laughs> and, uh, look, I have a nine to five. I'm not at the full time poetry uh, uh, industry right now, but um. Uh, I really appreciate you coming on and I look forward to staying connected with you as well. I really appreciate Anita D for making that, that connection. Mm. And um, mm. yeah, thank you so much. I really appreciate you. <laughs> thank you, Christoph. Thank indeed. you. Indeed. Everybody. What's the name? What's the name of the book again? Love and Gaslight. Love and Gaslight. Before we close out, where'd you get that name? Well, it's like Love and Light, which is what they spread in the spiritual community when right, I was right. in that. Um, yeah, Love and Gaslight is really more of nice. like. a That's a genius title. Mm. That's a genius title. I love it. Good stuff. Because what's the name of the album that's coming out in six days? Too Much for You. <laughs> Wait, that's the title? Yes. <laughs> you got a you have a knack, you have a knack for these titles. Thank you. I do like titles. I do. Yeah. I like naming things. That's a, that's, a draw. That's, a, that's a draw in. They're like, oh, it's too much for me. Then I mean, I I need I need it. Like, <laughs> <laughs> really? That's not what my life has been. Um, yeah. It comes from being told that I'm too much, pretty much like my entire life. And and the line of the poem that it's from is like, it is, I'm probably going to be too much for you. Just like owning that. That's yeah. what it's all about. 
Awesome. Awesome. Everybody, it's the Poet Life Podcast. It's Veronica Wild. So if they look up Veronica Wild, will they see the book? And because I know you said this is the first time you use Veronica I Wild. I hope so. I actually want to I wanna look into that because for a while, the only thing that came up when you searched for Veronica Wild was the eulogy. So I'm pretty sure the book is showing up now more than okay. the eulogy and the Google search results. Okay. I'll let you know, though. Okay. <laughs> so if, if, they, if not Veronica Wild, what, what's your full name, if you don't mind? Veronica Tugaleva. Gotcha. Okay, cool. Sorry. <laughs> <Right. laughs> yeah, I'm just letting you say it. I, I, <laughs> <laughs> like podcast, everybody. Mm-hmm. Look out for the next episode and make sure that you share this episode with somebody. I'm sure they can use it. Look, you all have a good night. Veronica, thank you so much. I appreciate you. I appreciate you too, Christoph. All right. Introducing the Poet Life Podcast. Go check it out today on your favorite platforms, including iTunes, Apple Music, and the website, thepoetlife.com. Find a way. Find a way. Ain't got no time now.